0: Man, I hope everybody's having a great week. Um, Listen, this morning we are actually going to continue our current series on physical healing. Now, let me say this. If you have not had the opportunity to... Uh, be here for the past two weeks. We highly encourage you to go check out the podcast uh, to get called up. Uh, but before we actually jump into part three today, I kind of want to uh, maybe reiterate a few things that I hope would be helpful. So anyways, let me begin by simply saying this, for a uh, lack of better words, uh, at least my, our goal uh, concerning this series really is wrapped up in four things. And the first one is simply this, is that our goal is to take actually a common sense, uh, just approach, at the Bible to see actually what it says about healing. And, and secondly, how many of you guys know that it's really easy to uh, grow up and a lot of times what we begin to think about healing has nothing to do with what the Bible says. It has something to do more with what people say. Right? So, so as we actually read the Word, uh, we're just believing that God's going to unravel any wrong thinking that maybe we've picked up along the way. And obviously with that, uh, kind of the third goal here is that we were actually going to believe that God's going to come and He's going to bring revelation in our hearts that we can actually stand upon those truths. In other words, that His Word becomes uh, just our firm foundation as we were singing a while ago. And fourthly, it's this, is that uh, we are actually believing that as we preach the Word, that faith's going to come and that signs and wonders. Are going to follow the preaching of the word because the Bible says it. Amen? So uh, we're actually believing that if there's anyone in here that needs healing in their bodies, man, we're going to believe, we're going to pray, and we're going to believe God's going to work a miracle in their physical body. Now, with all that, mind, as I, with all that in mind, as I've previously mentioned over the past few weeks, uh, we fully realize that when we begin to talk about the topic or the subject of healing, that it can cause a lot of confusion and it can be complex. It can be emotionally difficult for some people. And it's because of those those reasons just like i've said the past two weeks uh, we have decided or we did decide to address uh, the five common misconceptions or we could even say mistruths that are often taught and believed in the body of christ and just for reminder's sake those five things that we talked about were this is that number one that god uses sickness to discipline or to teach his children Number two is that sickness and disease are a part of God's will for our lives. Number three, that God used to heal, but he stopped once the Bible was written. And number four, if I've never witnessed the healing, then it can't be true. And number five is this, if someone is sick, then they must have a hidden secret or a secret sin in their lives. Now, I just believe after we uh, took a look at what the Bible actually had to say, we discovered this, that biblically speaking, that there is no evidence that God is the originator and the giver of sickness and disease. Can I hear a good amen on that? Amen. On the contrary, he is a good and loving father who through the death of his son has provided a way for us to be healed of any and all sickness and disease. Amen. So listen, we know that's true and we can be confident in that because just like we said last week that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, there were two clear Curses that were inflicted upon humanity, and those curses were sin and sickness. But thankfully, the Bible also teaches us that through God's plan of redemption, the two redemptive blessings, or we could say the two redemptive benefits that we find in the word that Jesus brought when he came and ultimately died to give us were what? Salvation from sin and healing from sickness and disease, right? So listen, that's why the Bible teaches us this in 1 Peter 2.24. We've read it, but I want to reread it again because I want to get down in our spirits. It says this, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross, willingly offered Himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we, that's you and me, might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and the power of sin and live for righteousness. If you know that's talking about salvation, say, oh Yeah. And then it adds this, for by his wounds you who believe have been healed. So we see sin and sickness. We see the full redemption plan of Jesus in that verse. All right, so listen, on that note, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, I actually want to share a testimony with you uh, that I recently read that uh, pertains basically to an individual getting a hold of that scripture and watching what happens when, when somebody actually believes the word, what happens in their lives. So it actually begins by saying this. It says, a lady in the state of New York who had been in a bed with tuberculosis for several months was reading or meditating on the scriptures one afternoon, and it goes on to say that she was a wonderful Christian, uh, but she had never heard the truth about divine healing. And it says as she lay in bed meditating on the second chapter of First Peter. She came to the verse, uh, to the verse twenty-four, and she read this: He personally bore or carried our sins in his own body on the cross. And as she read this, she wept for gratitude for the salvation that Jesus had provided for her. says so she rejoiced because he had bore or carried her sins... And because of the wonderful experience of salvation she had enjoyed. In other words, she knew this. That it was just going to be a matter of time before tuberculosis ran its course and and she was going to die. And she was basically in her own heart saying, I'm ready for that because I know I'm going to go to heaven. And she was grateful. That's why she was crying. And then it goes on to say, while rejoicing over this great mercy of forgiveness, she decided to read further. And it was then that she read these words. For by his stripes you were healed. She looked back at the first part of that verse and knows that Jesus had bore her sin. He had already done it. It was in the past. It was over. And she, so she was saved. She knew it. It was real to her. And no one can make her doubt it. Anybody with me? And then she said, well, what about these other words that were found in the same verse? For by his stripes you were saved healed and then she wondered could it be true did it mean what it said yes she thought it must be true watch this because it is the word of god so she called out in a voice weakened by the ravage ravages of tuberculosis she said mother did you know that god has said in his word that i was healed her mother replied why dear what do you mean Look here, the daughter said, with tears of joy flowing down her cheeks. Listen to this. The Bible says, for by his stripes you were healed. And then she said this, that must be me. (laughs) Can I just pause there for a moment? Listen, sometimes I think it's easier for us to read the Bible and think about what God wants to do for somebody else. Right, That someone's maybe more special than us. But I just believe, like this young woman, we need to make the Bible and God's promises personal. You see, true faith realizes that every promise in this book is for you and it is for me. Amen? And then she goes on to say this. She said it was for me. She said, it's wonderful. I've never saw that before. Just look at it. By his stripes you were healed. Mother, it has already been done. I'm healed. I'm healed. Get my clothes. Bring them here. I'm healed. Oh, this is wonderful. Can can I maybe pause there and just tell you this? Did you notice that she didn't wait for some uh, miraculous thing to happen? She didn't wait for some manifestation. She didn't wait for somebody to walk in with a prophetic word and say, Hey, look, you've been healed. She just simply believed the word of God. Amen. And the story goes on to say this. It says, The mother did everything she could to calm her down and to keep her in bed. She avoided bringing her clothes to her. But the daughter asked, parents, listen to this. She asked her mom, Haven't you taught us to believe all of the word of God? Haven't you brought us up to believe every word of the Bible? And the mother could not control her daughter's joy. The one-time victim of tuberculosis arose by herself, put her clothes on, left her bedroom, shouted through the house, and was completely healed. In less than three weeks, she was normal weight and was completely restored. So listen, what happened there? What's the point that I want to seek in? Why Why are we reading this? It's because this is because this young lady had come to treat the Word of God as a direct revelation of what God was eager to do for her. Amen? That he not only wanted to forgive her of her sins, but he also wanted to heal her physical body too. That's really good news, yes? And listen, when she obviously saw that in the word and believed it, it produced faith in her heart. That's why the Bible tells you and I in Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what happened is when she began to believe by faith, the result was simply this. Is that the power of God, the power of healing began to sweep through her body and it began to heal her completely. Isn't that an amazing story? Come on, is anybody alive today? Isn't that an amazing story? Amen. So listen, let this truth sink in deep is that you and I today have a sure promise from God that he said this, that when Christ redeemed us, he did more than save us from our sins. He also purchased our physical healing, our emotional healing, and deliverance from all demonic influences. So guys, listen, today, if I could just maybe say it this way, you and I have a choice today. We can either go, you know what, that's what the word of God says and I believe it, or we could do what so many people say and we go, yeah, but what about so-and-so? what about so and so you remember what happened to to that person over there do you remember right and and I think the choice that you and I have to make today is this is is are we going to bring other people's experiences in and somehow dilute what the word of God says are we going to say you know what no 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 I'm gonna stand upon the word because God is true and he does not lie and he does not change his mind amen amen let's make the choice to stand upon the word amen all right, so let's shift gears and let's unpack what we're going to talk about today. Uh, let, let me say this for starter so nobody takes what I'm about to say the wrong way. Uh, I, I personally am not against doctors, I'm not against medical stuff, uh, I'm just not, okay? And uh, you know, for you guys that don't know me, I'll just say it this way, uh, I, I got a pacemaker sitting in my chest that keeps me alive every day, okay? So I don't hate docs, okay? But, but I think we can all agree in this is that in spite of all the incredible advancements and all the incredible achievements uh, that the medical world has accomplished over the past number of years, it's very clear that sickness and disease are still ravaging and causing loads and loads of incredible damage uh, to people's lives all around the world. Can we agree with that? Now listen, I'm not talking about just third world countries. I'm talking about even our own country. And, And what makes this really interesting is it's not just the lives of unbelievers, but it's happening in the lives of many Christians as well. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion here, okay? And I may be wrong. If I am, forgive me. But but listen, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, probably one of the greatest barriers to the faith of many believers who are seeking physical healing is the uncertainty in their minds of this, is if it is God's will to heal everyone. Like, that's a barrier, right? And, and to be more specific, the barrier isn't so much of God is willing to heal uh, some other fortunate, lucky person that lives across, you know, the other side of the world. Like, we got no problem with that. We don't argue with that. But, but where we wrestle and where we struggle is with the thought of this, is if it is God's will to heal me or not. We have a hard time making it personal. Are y'all with me today? So I think, once again, I think that's our biggest hang up, and I may be wrong, but but. Listen, if it's true that our faith begins where the will of God is known. I'm going to say that again. If it's true that our faith, mine or your faith, begins where the will of God is known, then that has to mean until you and I are fully convinced that God wants us to be made well, then there will always be a doubt in the back of our minds whether or not it is God's will for us to be healed or not. So, listen, because I've been doing this a long time, because I've walked this road myself, I know this is a commonality in a lot of our thinking, and so that's why I want to unpack this one question today. Is it God's will to heal you of sickness and disease? Is it God's will to heal you of sickness and disease? Now, because, once again, because a lot of our backgrounds, I cannot stress to you again and again and again why it's so important that we go to the Word, okay? Okay? And so that's what I want to do, okay? And, and I'll just start with this. When you and I actually take a step back, we actually begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we begin to read uh, about Jesus' earthly ministry. We find that there was only one individual out of all the people that he healed that ever came to him that was clearly struggling with the misconception of if it was his will to heal them or not. And I want to look at that guy's story, and we're going to use it as a launching pad to spring off of. So we find this in Matthew chapter 8. Let's read three simple verses. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So get that. There's a large crowd with him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. How many of you guys know that crowd probably scattered pretty quick? Just saying, okay? Just reading between the lines, okay? It says that a man of leprosy came and knelt before him. The Gospel of Mark actually says that he came begging. And he said this. He said, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. I want to pause there. Because obviously, like a lot of us, this guy knew and he had heard that Jesus had healed people or he wouldn't have been there. But there's no doubt at the same time, even though he had heard about all of this, there was a consuming thought that was obviously on his mind. And once again, I'm going to keep repeating this, that if Jesus would be willing to heal him or not. Now, if I can maybe take that thought and bring it to our prayer lives How many times have we either prayed or been in a prayer meeting and heard someone pray or gathered with a few believers that we love and prayed for an individual that is sick and and we say this, uh, God would you please heal so and so and then before we say amen we throw this nice little few words on the end, if it be your will. Right? So that's what's happening here. And watch what happens in verse 3. Watch how Jesus responds to this leper. It says that actually in one translation that he was filled and he was moved with tender compassion and he reached out his hand and he touched a man and he said, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So here's the point I want to grab a hold of. While you and I, when we read that, we may not know, you know, what was the cause of this man's barrier. In other words, we don't know if someone came along that maybe they did with one of us and they begin to tell this guy, uh, Hey man, look, um, you know, plain and simple, you gotta do enough. You gotta check all the right spiritual boxes if you wanna earn something from Jesus. Right? Or maybe they came along and said, Hey Lynn, man, if you you gotta be good enough, you gotta clean yourself up enough to receive healing from Jesus. Or maybe someone came along and said, Hey, look, he only really heals the special folks, right? And I can't tell you if you qualify to be one of those special folks or not. So you can give it a shot and, and if you are, if he sees that way, maybe he'll heal you. Listen, so I don't, I don't know what caused that. I don't know if he made something up in his own head, completely had to do nothing with all that, but I do know this one thing, is that when he came to Jesus, Jesus didn't beat around the bush, right? He immediately made it abundantly clear to this man that he, could not only, uh, he not only could heal him of his leprosy, but that he would heal him of his leprosy, right? We could even say this, that Jesus was so willing that he made it clear that he wanted to heal him, In fact, I like the way the Passion Translation says it. It actually says that this man came and asked, and Jesus said this, of course I want you to be made well. I love the directness of that, right? And so, listen, I just think by making this known, uh, the first thing that Jesus did was correct or unravel The misconception in this man's brain that if it it wasn't God's will or not for him to be healed. In fact, I think in this moment that it like settled the deal. Uh, All questions, all doubt were gone. He was sold from this point on. Am I talking to anybody today? So listen, I think you can call me crazy, but I believe by Jesus doing this, and I want to remind you that... Uh, this was the only person that ever came to ask him this. So it's just a baseline for us. So I just think that he not only erased this man's question of if it was God's will, but I think he also forever erased every person's wondering if it was his will. Now look quiet on me today. Let me take this step further. I actually believe right now at this moment as Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, ever living, making the intercession for us, that he is still declaring out of his mouth and out of his heart that it is still his will to heal every person of every sickness and every disease, and that every includes you and includes me. Amen? Amen. All right, so if by chance you're still sitting here today, and I understand if you are, uh, that you're thinking, Brother, I'm going to need a little more than that. That's cool. I understand that. Um, What I want to do is I want to hit the rewind button. I want to go all the way back to the book of Exodus. And I want to show you where God stepped in first with His people and introduced Himself uh, as what we're talking about today. So let's look at what the Bible says in Exodus 15, 26. You can go read the full thing in context. But it gets to these last eight words on that verse. And it says this, For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord who heals you. See, I just think it's amazing, this incredible verse that God announces Himself to be the healer of His people in those short eight words, For I am the Lord who heals you. See, if you if you study the Bible, you actually find that this is the place where God introduces Himself by the covenant and by the redemptive name of Jehovah Rapha. That says that means it's translated, I am the Lord that heals. Now, I want you to notice something today. Notice that he didn't say, I was the Lord that heals you. He said, I am. Now, why is that significant for us? We've, especially you've been in church forever, you're all, I am, I am. Okay, woo, whatever. Not a big deal, okay? But, but listen, why is it so significant? Because when he says, I am, that means it is impossible, impossible to change God's covenant redemptive name. Of I am Jehovah Rapha. Which means this. That he has not nor will he ever abandon his office as healer. Great news. Listen. If he abandoned his office. If he changed his mind. That would not only make him out to be a liar. But he would also be defying his very nature and character. So he is still Jehovah Rapha the Lord that heals. Amen. So this means this. That you and I can be confident today. If he announced himself as healer all those thousands of years ago. To all those Israelites, guess what? If he was healer then, then he's still healer today. In fact, does the Bible not say and does God not say about himself that he is the Lord God who does not change? Does he not say, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes, he does. Amen? So so just for a moment, just for the sake of context, and I want to prove a point on this in a second, but, but I want you to think about this. When, when he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals. He did not sheepishly say it to a few, uh, you know, small handful of people. Hey, I want you to know. Hey, I want you guys to know. Why? Because it's easy to get off the hook if you just tell a few people. (laughs) But but listen, on that day, he actually told three million people, I am Jehovah Rapha. Right? Listen, the Bible goes on to say that every single one of those three million people believed him. Man, I wish that would happen today. Amen? Even in my own heart, Lord, let me believe, right? That, man, uh, that they believed it was true in every one of them. Hear me. It did not matter what kind of sickness, what kind of disease, what kind of uh, you know, issue that they had. The Bible clearly just says that whoever among them that needed to be healed, they were completely made whole. That's the Bible. Amen? In fact, listen to how the psalmist put it in Psalm 105, 37. It says, Then he brought them out of Egypt. Talking about obviously the Israelites with silver and gold and among his tribes, that's the three million people. There was not one who stumbled. Now, if we just read that at face value, think okay, that's cool. Not one of them stumbled while they were walking out of Egypt. Cool. But listen, what the word "stumble" actually means there? It means this. It means that every person was physically healthy and strong, and not a one was feeble, weak, or sick. Come on, Jesus, right? Listen. Can you imagine this for a moment? Listen. Three million million people. That is that is uh, basically almost three times larger than the state we live in. talking about our population, right? So so listen. Can you imagine that not a single man, a single woman, a single child was feeble, weak, or sick? That every single person was physically healthy and strong. So much so that they didn't even stumble. I think that's awesome. So, look, let's hit the fast forward button. Let's go all the way to the Gospels. We know that we hit. The book of Matthew, here's Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh. He comes on the scene, and I want us to notice what happens because you got to remember that uh, obviously he's God in the flesh, right? So let me give you a handful of verses. Just hang with me here and ride the wave. Matthew 4 says this. It says that Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. The kingdom, right? And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Somebody say every kind said, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing him all who were sick. In other words, if you were in the neighborhood, if somebody knew you, if somebody even just kind of faintly knew you, you whatever, you're sick, you going with us, right? And it says, in whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Can somebody say all? all. It says, large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, capitalists that means ten cities, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 9. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Fast forward again to chapter 14. It says, after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret. It says, when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. You think, right? It says, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least a fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Let me give you another verse, Luke 6. It says, then Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. Can I pause right there for a moment? It has nothing to do with today's message, but what a nugget. Then Jesus came down, and he stood on a level place. Aren't you glad that he came and stood and lived among us? Yeah. It says, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a vast multitude of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. It says, who had come to listen to him and and to be healed of their disease. You get that? A large crowd came to be healed of their diseases. Even those who were troubled by unclean spirits, so other words, demons, they were being healed as well. Now watch this. As incredible as all those verses are, I actually believe that Peter summed up the three and a half years of Jesus' earthly ministry, maybe the best, with this one brief statement. We've all heard this verse, Acts ten thirty eight says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing, what? All who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Golly, I could run through a wall. Listen, church, all in all, the New Testament records 41 cases. Okay, 41 cases where Jesus healed someone. This is important. In nine of those instances, not only were there individuals healed, but multitudes. And in three of those instances, the Bible actually says there was a great multitude. So put that thought in there, and then let's add one more. The end of the Gospel of John, John actually said this. uh, Basically, if we tried to write everything that Jesus did in three and a half years of ministry, there would be enough books in the world to even record it. Why am I saying that? Because when we talk about Jesus healing folks, uh, we're not talking about basically him healing five, ten, fifty, maybe even five hundred. Man, we're talking about a significant amount of people. Are y'all hearing me today? Yeah. Now, let's settle in here because how does that affect us? The first thing I want to notice is this. Is I want you to notice that Jesus never turned a single person away. He never turned one single person away. He never said, ah, you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, man, what you got going on, man, that's just too complicated. I, I, I don't think I can handle it. That's about my pay grade. I don't think I can do that. He never said this, I, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I, I kind of, like I went to school and I specialized in these things, but I, you know, I, I don't know nothing about all of that. So, you know, if you got that problem, help you, but that, I can't help you at all. Nor did he say this, I've been saying this for weeks, nor did Jesus ever say when a person came to him and he said, you know, I'm sorry, it's just not my Father's will to heal you. Is it in there? No, it's not in there. So, listen, uh, so we you know on the contrary, listen to me. That throughout the Gospels, that as the blind, the lame, the mute, the deaf, the leper, the deformed, the diseased, the deemed possessed, the physically dead, and whatever other kinds of sickness and disease physically that you want to put in there, as they were brought or as they came to Jesus, the Bible repeatedly says that He healed all of them. That's what the Word says. Now, once again, why is this significant for the question we're trying to answer today if it's God's will to heal? Because of this. Because I'm hoping that you and I will remember and we will recognize that Jesus' life was both a revelation and a manifestation. In other words, a revealing of the unchanging love and the unchanging will of God. Are y'all seeing that? Listen, that with every word and every action, He literally acted out the perfect will of the Father for all mankind to see. Listen, did he not say that I've come down from heaven to do the will, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me? Did he not say that? Did he not say that the Father who dwells in me, he's the one that does the work? Did he not say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Did he say all those things? So listen, which means this, that every time he either laid hands on someone or he spoke a word to heal a sick person's body, he was revealing the everlasting will of the Father. Amen? Not just to me, not just to you, but literally every person that would ever come to Him with a need. It's in the Word. Amen? He never turns us away. Aren't you grateful for that? Let me give you the second point. Remember we talked about those Israelites earlier, those three million people. So I want you to notice that they said every single one of those three million people ...who were healed in the book of Exodus... ...and every single person that was healed... ...under Jesus' ministry... ...this is super important to us, guys, as, as believers... ...that every one of those people... ...were healed under the Old Covenant. Right? They were healed in the Old Covenant, which means this... ...that if all of this was true for those... ...who were living under the law... ...how much more significant... ...and important and real and true... ...is it for you and me... ...who have actually been redeemed by the blood of Christ... Right, that are now living under what the Bible calls the new covenant, which it actually says in Hebrews, watch this, is a better covenant. So if we thought what they had was good, what we have is better in Jesus' name, right? So once again, let us sink in. The healing is for all, that includes you, includes me. And after all, if we can just kind of get in our heads, what what makes us think for a moment, right, to believe the lie that those three million people or those people that were healed in Jesus' day, that a single one of them were better than you and me. So that thought of some, I got to be something special needs to go away because Peter told us this in Acts chapter 10. He said this, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Praise God for that, right? All right, so let's shift gears here. We're almost done, so hang, hang tight with me. Have you ever wondered, and this is really, really, really important, okay? You got to grab a hold of this. Have you ever wondered why Jesus healed people? Like, why did he do it? Like, why? You, you know, if you, if you go around and you talk to all these theologians, there's a lot of people out there that basically say the reason that Jesus healed was he needed to show his power to prove his deity to back up his message. Well, I'm sure there's some truth in that. I don't really argue necessarily at this point. But here's the counter thought I want to offer to that train of, uh, train of thought today. Listen to me. Did Jesus really need to heal every single person that came to him to prove that? I don't think so, right? But but yet, here he is. He's healed every person. So I think it has to do with something more than that. And I believe the answer is found in this one word. God, please give it to us. Give it to me. It's called compassion. That Jesus healed every single person because he had compassion for the people. In fact, the Bible tells us this back in Matthew 14. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. That we all love them. Right? That they weren't, once again, quote unquote, special. He just loved them. Why am I saying it today? Y'all look at me, please. Because he loves you. He loves me. Do you you understand that? I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what you've done. He loves you. Amen? Listen, if you have a hard time receiving that today, the Bible clearly says that there's an unconditional love that he offers. Last time I checked, the word unconditional means there's no conditions. He just loves us. So there's no such thing as I got to do more to get the, earn the love of God. Or you know, It's not about what I do or what I don't do, more or less. It's just the fact that he loves me. Receive it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So let me just kind of ask you this, and we'll move on. When you think about Jesus' compassion, we'll throw up the next slide here, do we honestly think The loving heart of the Son of God, that's Jesus, who had compassion upon the sick and healed all who had need of healing in His ministry, somehow lost or withdrew or modified that same compassion when He was exalted or He was resurrected to the right hand of the Father. (laughs) Are y'all getting what I'm trying to say here? Is, is Jesus didn't look at those people in Jerusalem and feel more for them than he feels for us, right? The, the Bible clearly says that our God, watch this, he delights in mercy. That means compassion, right? The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. His compassions never fail. If he's here or there, it doesn't change. Amen? All right, good deal. So I wanted to do something today before we closed, and and um I actually wanted to take a brief moment to share with you guys some testimonies of what I believe is actually God showing compassion on people. Okay? And uh and I, I have six, okay, so don't get bored with me here, okay? Um, but I I I basically spent, I don't know, a significant amount of time last night uh just basically reading loads and loads of healing stories. Because if you, if you know anything about me, I like books and I like this kind of stuff because God's cool. Okay? And so uh, I was reading and making myself happy last night. But at the same time, I was like, man, I got to nail down some, some stories that I want to share today. And, and the ones I picked, uh, I, I wanted to pick ones that, that would have the ability to stretch our faith a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to admit to you that, that, they, that they're going to maybe be a little weird in some of them, uh, but, but I want you to know that this is God, and he still moves like this. Amen? And so most of these, if you're a reader, they do come from John G. Lake's book, All But One, uh, and that book is called Adventures in God. Okay, so if you like to read, I encourage you to get the book. So let me give you the first one here. Uh, fat. Let me stop and say this for you guys who don't know John G. Lake. So, John G. Lake uh, was actually an insurance salesman that Jesus got a hold of, and he basically left a very significant uh income to go preach the gospel to live by faith. I mean, this guy incredible story. And he ended up as a missionary/slash pastor in South Africa, and God began to use him in healings like insane. And then there came a point in his life where he moved back to the United States and he lived in Spokane, Washington, where he started these things called healing rooms where people would come from all around the world and they would just pray and they would keep coming for meetings. They would teach them the word, they'd pray for them. And, and then their short span of five years that he ran that, those healing rooms, they had medically documented over 100,000 people that were healed. Okay, so much so that the government declared that Spokane, Washington was the healthiest place in the United States to live because he was there. Okay, so here's some of those stories from Africa and from Spokane. First one, he said, close to a South African city in which I was ministering, there were hills with outcroppings of rocks, like a series of cliffs, One above another, I would go up into these hills to be alone and rest. One day I observed a lady bringing a young child and setting him on one of the shelves above a small cliff. She left the child some food and water. It seemed a dangerous thing to do since the child might fall and hurt himself. However, I observed that the child was crippled and cannot move around says, after the mother left, I went over to him, laid my hands on him, and prayed, and immediately the child bounced off down the hill to catch his mother. Good day. Second story, uh, a guy named Edward Lyon was a native man, I was talking about Africa, who until a few years ago didn't even wear clothes. He was illiterate, knew nothing, whatever of our concept of education but God anointed that man with the faith of God and a measure of the Holy Spirit so intense that on one occasion when a multitude of sick folk had been brought into a valley, the power of God came upon him and he went upon the hillside and he stretched out his hands over the sick below and poured out his heart to God. Healing power fell upon them and in a minute, a minute, hundreds were healed. Number three, in our church in Spokane, there was a dear little woman who had been blind for nine years. She had received very little teaching along the lines of faith in God. As she sat at home one day with her six children, she discovered, she's blind, she discovered that her uh, dirty brood of a husband, I love how he describes the fella, dirty brood of a husband had abandoned, them and, uh, abandoned her and the children, leaving them to starve. Then it says, basically, you can imagine how broken she was. And he went on to say this, this is amazing. He said, one day she gathered her six children on the front porch and she began to pray. You got to love a praying mama. It says, Suddenly one of them got up and said, Oh, mama, there is a man coming up the path and he looks like Jesus. And oh, mama, there is blood in his hands and there's blood on his feet. The children were frightened and ran around the house. After a while, the oldest child looked around the corner, right, and said, Why, mama, he's laying hands on your eyes. And just then her eyes were opened. Number four. When I arrived home, he had been away ministering. He said, my wife was not there. Someone came and told me, talking to John G. Lake, your secretary is in the throes of death. Your wife is with her. So I immediately hurried to the place where she was at, and another minister's wife met me at the door and said, you're too late, she's gone. As I stepped inside, the minister was coming out of the room. In other words, that, uh, that woman's husband. And he said this, he says, she has not breathed for a long time. And he said, but looking at that woman, I thought about how God Almighty had raised her up three years before. How he had miraculously given her back her womb, her ovaries and tubes, which had been removed in operation. How she had married, obviously after all that, and conceived a child. That's a miracle. As these thoughts arose, my heart flamed. I took that woman off the pillow and called on God for the lightnings of heaven to blast the power of death and deliver her. I commanded her to come back and stay. She came back to life after, being, after having not breathed for 23 minutes. Number five. It says a woman came into the healing rooms once with a tumor larger than a full-grown unborn child. Her physicians had been fooled, believing it to be a child until nature's period had passed. In other words, the nine months had gone. says, then they decided it must be something else. She told me, Mr. Lake, I have the opinion of several physicians. They are all different, but each has said it is possible it may be a child. But now the time has passed, and they do not know what else to say. She said, I put my hands upon her for a moment, and I said, Madam, it is not a child. It's a tumor. She sat down and she wept. and said she had her nurse with her, and she was so distraught, basically, she couldn't receive healing. But a few days later, she came back in the afternoon for prayer and returned the next day. Watch this. So she received prayer, then came back the following day wearing her corsets. She said, I came down to show you that I'm perfectly normal, right? You got to think, she looked pregnant, right? When I retired last night at 10 o'clock, there was no evidence that anything had taken place. Can I stop there for a second? I think so often what happens is someone prays for us, we pray to God for ourselves, we pray the prayer of faith, and and what happens is, is we convince ourselves because we don't feel something or see something, we think nothing's happened. And I just want you to realize that, man, this woman said, man, there was no evidence anything happened beyond the fact that I felt comfortable and the choking was gone. But when I woke this morning, I was my normal size. I asked, did it disappear in the form of a fluid? She said, there was not an outward sign of any character. Then John said this, beloved, what happened to it? The tumor dissolved. It's a good day. Are you all with me today? This makes me want to run around the room. Let me give you one more. And I got to be honest with you, this one will stretch you more than the others, okay? Happy to do that, though. This is about Smith Wigglesworth. He said, while staying at the home of a curate of the local church of England, Wigglesworth and the curate, that's basically a leader in church, were sitting together talking after supper. No doubt the subject of the conversation was that the poor fellow, the leader, had no legs. Artificial limbs in those days were unlike the sophisticated limbs of today. Wigglesworth said to the man quite suddenly, which he often did when ministering in cases like this, go and get a pair of new shoes in the morning. Well, that comes off super rude, doesn't it? Brother Wigglesworth, you need compassion. All right, just saying. Since the poor fellow thought it was some kind of joke, however, after Wigglesworth and the curate had retired to their respective rooms for the night, God actually spoke to the curate and said, do as my servant has said. What a designation for any person, my servant. In other words, the guy was amazed that God was identifying himself with Wigglesworth. And so he says, there was no more sleep for that man that night. He rose up early, went downtown, and stood waiting for the shoe shop to open. The manager eventually arrived and opened the door or shop for business, and the uh, leader, the curate, went in and sat down. Uh, Presently, an assistant came and said, Good morning, sir. Can I help you? And the man said, Yes. Would you get me a pair of shoes, please? Then the salesman said, Yes, yes, sir. Size and color. The curate hesitated. And when he hesitated, the assistant then looked down, and he saw his condition, and he said, I'm sorry, sir, but we, we can't help you. Right? In other words, you got two wooden legs. We, we can't help you, brother. And then the man said this. He said, It's all right, young man, but I do want a pair of shoes, size 8, color black. The assistant went to get the requested shoes. A few minutes later, he returned and handed them to the man. The man put one stump into a shoe, and instantly, Come on, Holy Ghost. And instantly a foot and a leg formed. Then the same thing happened with the other leg. says so he walked out of that shop, I'm surprised he didn't run out of that shop, not only with a new pair of shoes, but also with a new pair of legs. And this says this, and let this, let this get in. It so said Wigglesworth was not surprised. Lord, give me some of that. He had expected the result. He often made remarks like this. As far as God is concerned, there is no difference between forming a limb and healing a broken bone. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) Can you all stand to your feet, please? If you can, just close your eyes and, and just listen. I want to give you one more verse, and we're going to pray. So obviously I wanted to read those testimonies to encourage your faith. Our faith is built upon the word, but stories can encourage us. And I want you to hear this last verse right here and apply it to you, please. It says this in Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is gracious and he is full of compassion. That's for you. It says he's slow to anger and great in mercy. That word mercy actually translates as compassion as well. And it says, the Lord is good to all. Can somebody say all? That's you and me. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies, His compassions, are over all His works. Every one of those stories we read, if it be from the Bible, or if it be from those books, man, it was testimonies of nothing more than a God who is full of compassion and love for his kids amen that's us so in closing today what I want to do is I actually want to boldly declare to you that I believe he desires to show us that same kind of compassion today thank you Father come on let's lift our hands to heaven Jesus Father we thank you that you're still a miracle working God And Father, we thank you that our hands are up today, God, that 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 miracle-working power, God, is available to every single one of us. And so, Lord, as we stretch our hands out today, we do so by faith. And God, we receive your covenant promises that you have called our covenant rights in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we thank you today. God, that every sickness and every disease, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for healing power, God, coming and restoring our bodies completely. And, God, we thank you that you are making us whole. So, Lord, we rely, God, today on your word. We trust your word. And, God, and we believe that you're a compassionate God that loves us. Father, if there's any single person in our families today or friend that has maybe been on their hearts while we're here, Lord, we ask that you would begin to heal them as well. Father, we know that Jesus healed at a distance with a centurion ser- uh, servant, so Lord, we believe today, God, and we send forth the word. God, and we thank you for restoring and healing their lives as well in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you are still Jehovah Rapha, that you are still the bomb of Gilead. So Lord, we thank you that your name, God, your covenant, your redemptive name does not change. God, so we simply grab a hold of you today by faith, and we thank you for working miracles in our body. Lord, And we believe, God, because you are able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could hope or imagine. Lord, we thank you today, God, that miracles are going to happen, and Lord, testimonies are going to be declared, God, of what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise? Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.